Hello there. We would be honored if you would join us. You're right about one thing, Captain. Welcome to the Ahsoka Review Podcast, part of the Nerd Podcast Network and brought to you by the team behind Spark of Rebellion, where you can also listen to this episode. My name is Mark and I'm going to bring on my fantastic co-host Gaz in just one second. But we are here today to review two episodes of the Ahsoka TV show, episode 5, Shadow Warrior, and episode 6, Far, Far Away. We were off last week, had a little bit of a vacation so we are going to squeeze these two episodes in to one which is probably a terrible idea because they're two of the biggest episodes of the entire season nay of actual star wars tv probably for the last 10 years so interesting times but we're going to get it in anyway don't worry about it we will squeeze them in if you are new to the podcast welcome if you are listening via spark of rebellions podcast feed which is our news podcast for all things Star Wars, hello to you as always, Kevin and our wonderful supporters over there. Now, without further ado, before we get into the recaps and the scores on the doors, I'm going to bring on Hu Yang with the... W- yeah, the... W- uh, it is, of course. Uh, it's a penis joke, that, Gaz. I'm going to bring on Gaz. All right, mate. Hello, hello. I like that joke. Mm. Nice. Wang the Hu Yang. Yu yeah. Yang and his Wang. Yeah. Who Yang? I bet you are. Oh. Yeah. Profit on that. Profit on that one. How you doing, mate? Save a bit. I'm yeah. all right, mate. Yeah, Good. how are you? You been Star Wars in? Have been Star Wars in, yeah. What have you done? Um I'm glad you wanted to review both episodes because I only watched part six today on my lunch break. Oh. So I was I'm in an as well. I thought, oh, should I cut lunch break short, go for a walk? Bollocks watch it that. later. Get it watched. Get it on, lad. Get it watched. It's fresh, isn't it? For, yeah, it is. Yeah. So, um, just Ahsoka this week, dude. Yeah. And what what a couple of episodes to review as well. I know, right? How are you getting on with the old Rise of the Red Blade book? Oh, done, mate. Done. Ah, it's a yeah. good finisher, isn't it? Good ending. Oof. We're going to have to review that, I'm pretty sure. It's we'll a to... freaking great book, isn't it? Yeah. And it, it's difficult to, um, it's difficult to dive, even like a summary of anything, because it's pretty spoilerific to do that with this book. But... Maybe we'll do the Star Wars book club thing soon and get a bunch of books reviewed. But that one, yeah, I, I, I'm hoping that um, the author of that book, I keep forgetting her name. I'm hoping that she does a bunch more Star Wars books too mm. because um, they're very cool. One thing, actually, one of our our um, supporters, Kev, mentioned um, the other week was about Ray Stevenson's character. Um. And just because obviously he sadly passed, hoping that we'll get some more content with that character. Mm-hmm. And I reckon, you know, if that author does a book about him and what happened after the the uh, the Jedi Order, that'd be a banger of a book. Yeah, I agree author. with that. Because the, yep. the author seems to clearly get like the nuance of being a Jedi. Yes, definitely. Um, which would, yeah, I thought it was great. And the ending, I, I was, well, not spoil the ending, but I was reading the, um, it's a badass ending. It's a fantastic ending. And, uh, but you know, the bit where they're on the planet looking for the old clone trooper, I was like, I've mm. seen this before. Mm-hmm. It was like ticking away at like 11 PM at night as I'm reading it. And obviously next day I looked it up. I'm like, of course, it's one of the episodes that we've seen. Um, was it, it was either tales of the Jedi or it was, uh, something like, I forget which one it was, but it's basically, it's been on screen as well. Yeah. Um, and I was yeah. like, freaking hell, that's such a cool thing to do. Yeah. Delilah Dawson. 
That's it. That's it. That's it. But uh, no, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Do we'll definitely review that one. Rise of the Red Blade, highly recommended for anyone out there into your Star Wars. And uh, from my side, dude, I'm halfway through the um, archives, the prequel archives. Um, but I'm also concurrently reading certain point of view, the Return of Jedi as well. Um, oh, sweet! Because that's a short cool. story book in the archives, so that's like a reference book, so you can sort of dip in and out to that one. Um, but on to Ahsoka, that's the important bit. If you're enjoying this show, if you are a regular Spark of Rebellion listener, you can let us know that you're enjoying it at sparkofrebellion.com slash support. So we're going to recap episode five very quickly, and then we're going to give our scores on the doors and our discussion and probably try and keep that to about 20, 25 minutes and then do the same again for episode six. So very quick recap. Shadow Warrior Ahsoka, episode five. Of course, this follows episode four, where we found Ahsoka not dead in the world between worlds with none other, none other even than uh, Master Anakin Skywalker in all of his Revenge of the Sith garb. And this episode picks up right from there, basically. You've got two different storylines going on that intersect in a couple of different ways. You've got Ahsoka in the world between worlds going through what appears to be Anakin's, what he calls it, his final lesson, where he basically takes her to a couple of different live-action Clone Wars sequences that are absolutely badass level it makes like the fight scenes and the war zones in revenge of the sith and 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 the prequels just look like toy hour um it was it was it was great great stuff and um we see a couple of shades of anakin some very very cool shots between switching between him and darth vader flashing a a couple of frames of vader up there uh, that sort of echo some of the story beats from the force awakens that were never used and then we we also get anakin in full pre biotech body armor but as Vader the Sith uh, which was very very cool as well and, and the, the, the idea being that Ahsoka has got to really we'll get to this in a bit but the idea we think is that Ahsoka's got to sort of let go of her past which we assumed was going to be the case um, and that you know she's a soldier she's got to get on with it you know you can still have the compassion uh, that she's that, 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 that she's been brought up with if you like and that she she sort of just has built into her emotional center anyway um and you can sort of end up being something else and by the end of the episode we do see that she's become uh dave filoni's as we talked about in the last episode essentially gandalf the white and there was very very strong visual imagery to support that as well she was a lot chip more chipper um although weirdly not in episode six um so there's a lot to unpack about on that side of things but then on the other side of the story we had Hera and Carson Terra just basically getting hammered by the New Republic for pissing off and helping out uh, our buddy Ahsoka and Sabine. And we we get a couple of interesting scenes there. We get a, a few interesting perspectives from Huyang, looking very, very morbid and very, very sad. Um, we get some quite interesting Jason scenes where you can hear the world between worlds, so it's clear that that's actually a portal. Um, and he could hit, so no one pulled her into it. She just fell into it, which was sort of massively convenient. And it was it was interesting that, that they, they they gave Jason obviously the nascent force abilities that we thought he would have, but that he could hear the lightsabers. And he was the one that basically said, you need to start looking over here. And Chopper's done the scan and, and this, that, and the other. So uh, quite a cool little setup there for Jason, potentially in the future. And a couple of little name drops. Senator Organa got name dropped as the person that was holding the Republic off from coming after Hera, which, you know, layer be layer. And... Just a lot of very cool imagery, a lot of good ship work, a lot of good ghost work, X-wing work, a lot of good scenery, a lot of just 
visually a fantastic episode, which I think they all are anyway. So um, episode five, dude, Shadow Warrior. What are your first thoughts? We'll get into some of the deeper bits, but what are your first thoughts on it and what is your score on the door? So first of all, score on the door for this one's probably going to be a nine for this one. And it's weird that we're reviewing these together because um, I'm conflicted, dude. I'm conflicted as to which one I thought was better of the two. Now, before that. that, do you get that? So in the run up to this, when we were off last week and having watched it, I know you were away and I watched it and sort of um, uh, mulled over it for a while. The expectation with Anakin being back and having that whole flashback stuff with the Clone Wars and, and the world between wars, you know, all that stuff with Ahsoka and Anakin you would assume that that would just blow the socks off everything to do with Star Wars that's just come before it and is about to come. But I don't know. I know we're going to get onto part uh, part six in a bit anyway. But just because we're doing both together, I'm conflicted about which one I prefer for very different reasons. But sticking with this one, there's no doubt that we're getting some huge Hayden Christensen um, redemption going on here. Every single time that we see him back in some kind of live action form, it just gets better and better. And it's just, it really does flesh out um, the whole George Lucas stuff that he did with the prequels, right? So although we're not prequel haters and we quite like a lot of that stuff to do with Palps and Anakin and, and stuff, especially in Revenge of the Sith, the, uh, the, the, the journey of Anakin is... Um, it it's just feels more, every time we see him, it feels more complete, like little pieces of the jigsaw puzzle are falling into place. And that's only because we've got Filoni driving this stuff. Right? I think if it was a, I think if they did, you know, they what they do with TV series sometimes where they just draft in guest directors to do a couple of episodes and they keep going round and round, but then the showrunner does the finale and the opening one. I think if they'd have done that with this, I think it would have fell off a little bit. But because Filoni is overseeing most of it and has directed this one and broke this one, the um, I don't want to take the focus off of Ahsoka too much, but just the the Anakin side of things felt very much like um, the the continuity between the prequels and everything is so good. And when you saw him in the, you're seeing him as like it's so surreal because we were seeing him as live action, but the way they styled his hair. And the outfit and everything, and even the way he tweaked his voice to deliver certain lines, it just matched the animated stuff so perfectly. So um, uh, we'll get onto the deets in a minute, but just the headline, a nine for me, and the Anakin stuff, which was always going to be the focus and the highlight of that episode, I think, um, is a nine. What about you? I'm massively conflicted on this. I think if you take away expectations and all the rumours of what the Anakin storyline should be and it's clearly unfinished right we've not seen the last of Hayden Christensen number one I don't think we've seen the last of Moon Ahsoka because we've not heard some of the lines that were in the trailer unless they were cut you know which is fine that that happens but I think overall we, we I think Hayden is back in Star Wars you know I think he's I, I don't think he's not back I don't think it's a cameo here and there I think it's there will be more of Hayden Christensen in Star Wars because <clears throat> I think Vader's still got a lot more stories to tell and I think there's um, there's the appetite for it, and it's not Luke. 
You know, there's the appetite for it and there's money on the table. So I, I just I just don't see them doing anything less than bring Anakin back. Um, however, so back to the headlines. Um, I'm conflicted because it left me... There's so many different sort of threads to this. It left me wanting more with Anakin. It didn't feel as fulfilling as I thought the Anakin episode was because I think maybe we were expecting it to be the Anakin wrap-up episode where that was it, you wouldn't see any more Anakin, okay? That's the first thing. The second thing is it didn't feel... The transformation to this Ahsoka the White and this more light, free, snips-like character that is more in touch with the living force and a little, you know, basically just feels happier. You know, it didn't feel like she needed that. I know, I know we've talked about it, but from a personality perspective, but nowhere narratively in this series has anyone come out and gone, you're a bit jaded. You've got to let go of the Anakin stuff. Like, and, and, and it, it just hasn't been portrayed. So from that side, I'm a bit like, eh, eh wasn't that good. And it was so, the dialogue was so, like, what was the lesson and all this sort of stuff, which we'll get to in a bit. So, like, from that side, I'm conflicted. From the side of, holy Jesus Christ, look at that. That's Anakin. This is absolutely min. All the stuff you've just said, like, it's a clear nine. So I'm, I'm sort of like, I could easily score this a nine or a six, which is really weird. And I don't know which I feel. I don't want to go in the middle. And I think I've just got to, like I did with episode one, I'm just scoring it one as a fan and one as a, like if I was just a TV critic, I'd be like, "What? This is what's this? Where's this come from? And what's what the what's the story that's trying to be told in this bit here?" Um, so yeah, I'm conflicted. So I'm, I just I, I don't know how to score it. To be completely <laughs> honest with you, um, but let's get into them, uh, some of that stuff. Um, Anakin, let's well, I mean let's just get that out of the way and get that dialed in right. Hayden Christensen smashed it. You know, everyone's saying he's a terrible <laughs> actor. He's wooden and so on. And I've said it before. You've said it before. You know, if George Lucas goes to you, play an angsty teenager that doesn't know how to talk to a girl, and he writes dialogue for you that is George Lucas dialogue, that ain't his strength. It's corny space westerns, which these series on Disney Plus are not. Um, they're drama, theoretically sci-fi drama. Um, you know, you you play what George Lucas asks you to play. And now he's turned up and he's much more grown and he's studied the Matt Lanter's voice and he nailed it, he channeled it. The stylizations were fantastic. Like, he was just wonderful. Aiden Christensen was mm. one... Like, his gravitas went from, like, a five in the prequels to, like, a ten. Like, he was almost Bale and Skull level, fucking hell, on-screen stealing, you know? Um, so I loved that, dude. So the, let, let's go to the Clone Wars. Um, unbelievable to see mm. Anakin in the garb, in the armor, referencing Obi-Wan referencing so many other little things, um, things that we didn't expect. I mean, we probably expected to see the flashbacks, but, you know, Young Ahsoka was fantastic. Um, just great, man. Just great. Yeah, really cool. And a couple of key flashbacks as well with the whole um, Siege of Mandalore thing and the uh, what we're, we're guessing is the whole... Um, uh, the campaign on Ryloth, mm -hmm. we think, because we see some Twi'leks knocking about and... And Rex sounded young as well, didn't he? In, in even in the Mandalore stuff, he was he mm -hmm. sounded young. Tamura Morrison sounded young. Tamura Morrison, he did, yeah. And that was another thing as well that aided to the whole um, interconnectivity of the live action and the animated stuff. So I'm so in a way, dude. 
I'm so jealous of new Star Wars fans that are going to dive into all of this stuff in a in a few years because when you dive into the rewatch and the people are looking at guides on the internet and stuff, various blogs, and it's like, here's your watching order for all of like the Anakin saga or the Ahsoka stuff, whatever it might be. And then you're dipping into like live action films, then an animated show, then a Disney plus show. It's going to be so awesome to see all of this stuff come together on some kind of timeline. And that's the, I think that's probably the, that was probably the thing, like one of the MOs with this whole Disney Plus thing, when they were around the table talking about this stuff years ago. It was like, look, if we're going to do the this whole series of TV shows and focus on characters and stuff, we have to make it coherent when you're watching any sort of Star Wars media and stuff. So from that perspective, having Rex in there, these different little bits and bobs from the Clone Wars and stuff, that just made Anakin... And, Chris and Hayden's performance even better because it's one thing to just stick him on the volume stage, which what, you know, they could have, they could have done it in a way where it hinted that this was something from the Clone Wars, like the background, you know, was whatever. And, and then it left you guessing afterwards, like, I wonder what episode of the Clone Wars that was from, but they clearly had that worked out and mapped out properly before. So all of those things came together just to make his performance just fucking sweet like there's there's no bones about it no arguments like you just said he's gone from his performance and his gravitas in the prequels to just being like just electric now when you see him on screen in like it's just so good he's almost I gone to he's, he's gone to being like the gravitas of matt lanter's version in the clone wars i know that sounds weird but he's he he was the live action version of that character which i know it sounds super obvious and everyone's like yeah obviously that's the point what I mean is up until that episode, that all felt disconnected. It could, it almost yeah. felt like a different character, um, which I think was, was quite interesting. And I was, um, I was pleasantly surprised to see a lot of the, the war of the Clone Wars, because even in like Revenge of the Sith and so on, and even in the Clone Wars, it's animation, you're like, that's a war, but it's like goodies and baddies, it's, you know. And it's not like this was death. It was like Solo style. It was Scarif style. You know, I shoot someone, they fall down because they've been shot in the chest. You know, so there was a, there was a lot of interesting um, growth in that, I think, for Star Wars, in that, it, you know, it's Star Wars. <laughs> you sometimes forget that it's called <laughs> Star Wars. Um, <clears throat> and I think that leads into some of the Thrawn stuff later as well, which, you know, that that's like, the other episode was much darker, which we'll get to. So it was... I, w I was fascinated to see that that aspect of it, and and you know we can we can try and figure out this journey that Ahsoka's had to go on, but it felt to me that it was just her letting go of be, being the soldier and going back to being the compassionate one, which enabled her to collect more with a per uh, connect more with a pergol and become this more you know relaxed Ahsoka the White sort of vibe. Um, but a couple of, a couple of interesting sort of references as well uh, 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 that leads me on to a next question: Do you? What do you think Anakin was? Do you think he was a manifestation of Ahsoka's head? <clears throat> you know, to quote the old Dumbledore, it happened in your head, but that doesn't mean it's not real. Um, do you think it was his force ghost? Um, and I, I, I personally think it was that um, because he was able to show all different elements of himself. Um, the darkness never goes away, but the light never went away and all that sort of good stuff that we've seen in the comics and Return of the Jedi. Plus, when she said, I'll not fight you, you know, she said that on Malachor. Um, and Luke said it in Return of the Jedi. And, you know, Anakin saying, I heard that before. 
You know what I mean? So I, I, mm. what do you think he was, dude? What do you think he was? Mm, yeah, that was magic. You know, that just that one line, by the way. Wasn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, a lot of people have said this, a bit conflicted on what... I think he was a force ghost because, um, like we mentioned when we last recorded um, the week before last, when we said, what are we hoping for with this episode and with Anakin... And I think one of us mentioned, like, it would be crap if it was a case of you got further down the line and then we had the whole Dallas thing, like, it was a dream. You know, it was just a, something that Ahsoka had in her head that just you know, was the it was the, the vision in her head that she needed at the time. You know, that's just a bit too um, self-manifest. You know, it, it doesn't feel like... Um, it's not pay-off for the relationship, is it? Exactly, yeah. It doesn't feel like... Um, the relationship side of things between Kerr and Anakin would have any proper payoff. Like, because earlier on in this series, she does mention when I think it was uh, Balin said to her about, you know, everybody knew of Anakin in the order and stuff and what he became. And she, in that um, instance and another time when Anakin's mentioned, she just dismisses it very quickly and doesn't want to talk about it. So I think having Anakin as a force ghost properly is more of a, okay, you've obviously gone down a certain road where you, you don't want to think or talk about the stuff that happened with me and us and all the rest of it, but we've got to, we've got to flesh this stuff out and get it done because otherwise you're going to stay here in this world and you won't have the opportunity to go back to the land of the, you know, if you want to do the whole Tolkien-esque thing, you won't go back to the land of the living as this almost resurrected figure and so on. So he's like, you know, sorry that you don't like it, but we've got to get it done sort of thing. So I think that's the the way that they put it together. It, it does make you question it a couple of times. When I first watched it, I was like, shit, is that, was that a ghost or not? But I think I'm with you on that one. I think it is a force ghost. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Just because I think he can manifest his own personality, his, the sides of his personality. Like I said, Vader's not gone and, and neither is Anakin. You know, we, we know that Vader had massive elements of Anakin that he just pushed to one side. Um, just like Anakin had massive elements of Vader all the way through the Clone Wars and way before that. Um, that he was just like, I'll not do that again. Yeah, definitely not. That's a one-off, <laughs> you know? Um, <clears throat> so I it think... It's terrifying though. Sorry, the, um, you mm. know, the bits where he turned into not just Vader. I didn't find it as scary when he turned into Vader properly. What sca- what was scary for me is when he was kind, when he was still Anakin, but he had the red Sith eyes, mm. you know, and he was really pushing the whole dark side thing and then really pushing Ahsoka to see how far she would go and her eyes go, but then she resists and she she pushes back. I found that part of Anakin when he's bringing up the dark side, but not necessarily full Vader. Mm. That was pretty creepy to me. Yeah, it was really good, man. Let, let's get on to what this whole lesson is because they never they never really, apart from the Anakin saying, oh, is that what this is about? You know, they never really discussed the fact you came Vader and you did all this hot fucking heinous shit, um, which I'm surprised about. You know, I'm surprised that there was not more of a direct reference to it. Um why do you think it was sort of delivered in this way? Why do you think it was dodged so directly? Is this, is this an Ahsoka letting go? Is the final lesson to let go? Is the final lesson that Ahsoka has grown enough that she can, I don't want to say overpower or beat Anakin because I'm not sure she could if you really, really didn't want her to, but she disarmed him. She took him down. She had the opportunity to kill what she thought was his, his manifestation right there. And then she didn't, you know, is that the, is that the Mr. Miyagi moment? Is that the nose tweak? Is that the let's, you know, that's it. I don't need to do this. I'm bigger than this. And 
you know, and, and does that allude to the fact that when she saw the flash of Vader when he was walking away into battle in, in the Storm of Ryloth, you know, this it was the part of the detachment that Anakin was trying to teach her was part of the reason that he fell to become Vader because he had to become more detached and become a soldier and she's seen a different way to do it. Um, a lot to unpack, but I suppose the point I'm getting at is like, why was it done so in such a... Um, tenuous way why was it not just what the fuck happened to you how can i forgive mm. you this is holding me back yeah 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 it's meant to um I, th I, I think it's just meant to get you thinking and talking after the episode because and i think the reason why it was done that way because it wasn't done on the nose was it, it like you said it wasn't a oh you're close to death you're now in the world between worlds I'm now going to give you two options. It's like the red and the blue pill, mm, you mm. know, because that's very direct for the viewer. You know, it's, it's, uh, you need a bit of exposition in that sense. But I think the way they, I think it was almost abstract in the way it delivered the lesson, quote unquote. And I think the way or the reason why they did that is because they wanted to still hook some mystery on how she got there, what exactly is there, because although we're taking a pretty educated guess at this, still not confirmed that that is the world between worlds or the netherworld of the force whatever probably is but they haven't officially said that or called it that so i think they just want to hang some mystery on that stuff still so i think by doing it in that way and yeah having a bit tenuous it, it um it sort of it keeps you thinking after the episode's finished um and maybe we'll we might revisit that stuff dude I'm not saying that Ahsoka's going to die. She's not like Catwoman with like nine lives and she keeps going back, but maybe we'll revisit that world between worlds again. Or maybe Hayden, um, Hayden, maybe Anakin comes back into th like the proper world, quote unquote, as a ghost, force ghost, and has a little conversation like Yoda did with Luke in, uh, in the sequel trilogy, perhaps. But yeah, I think it's just for a bit of mystique and a little bit of, you know, doesn't be too too on the nose. That's the stuff that you reserve for the the, the real world stuff. Mm -hmm. Probs. Yeah, I agree, man. Um, quick one then to finish up on Anakin. Do you think we'll see him again? Yes. All right. Defo. And a, a, a quick note as well, Ariana Greenblatt, who played uh, the young Ahsoka, uh, she smashed it, man. She nailed it. She had all, all the little mannerisms. She had all the little, you know, the eyes and the way that she reacted to things. I thought she did really well with that. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, agreed. It's um, I wonder if we'll see her again in anything, but well, yeah, she's very cool. Our friend Big Cave mentioned that. He said, "Why would you cast someone of that pedigree? You know, someone that's 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 a well-known actress at such a young age, um, to not use her again." But then, you know, they made a fucking Zeb costume, <laughs> which we've not seen not again. Seen that one yet? Have we? Do you yeah. think we'll see Zeb? Yeah. yeah, I still think we will. <clears throat> yeah, I do as well. Yeah, probably the finale or something. Carabast. I agree. <laughs> that's a good impression. That um, pretty good. I agree. I agree. All right, a couple of uh, other bits to pick up on with this one then. Um, rebels be rebels. Carson Tava, he's like spinning a, t a tail, spinning a yarn um, off to the, the Republic, which I thought was hilarious. You know, just doing some of the stalling. Nice to hear the Senator Organa name drop. Shame we're not mm. going to see that unless we do somewhere. I, mate, I don't know how the fuck they're going to do Air to the Empire without Luke or Leia. Uh, well, they're not canon anymore, so they can just dip in and do what they want with them, can't they? I just don't know how they're going to be able to... Yeah, but I just don't know how you're going to bring the entire war back. Uh, and, and Do you know what I mean? Mm. And just be like, why don't we 
not call the Jedi that we know is probably more powerful than Ahsoka at this point? And why don't we not use the senator that's going to rebel and help us out? Do you know what? Let's not use them two. I just don't know how they're going to do it, man. No, I don't know. I think it's, um, it feels to me just it's namesake rather than content sake. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I totally agree, but I just, I don't know how they're going to thread the story in. And I'm not saying that it's an adaptation of that. I'm saying if in this new canon, there's a threat as big as Thrawn that's wanting to resurrect the Empire, I just don't know when someone doesn't go, fucking call those two. Yeah. Call in the A-team. I'll get you, man. Yeah. Just don't uh, know how you get away with it, but anyway, that's a, that's a story for another day. Interesting to see that. Um, mm. Nice to see Hera doing her thing and being Hera. You know that was. There's not much to say on that. Some amazing scenes with the X wings and the ghosts. Like all, it's mm. this is this entire series is, I would say, as well shot as Rise of Skywalker and all the sequels, without a doubt. Oh, defo, easily, defo, mate. Yeah. So I don't want to spend too much time on that because we could talk on it forever, but. In the interest of getting two episodes in, I want to talk about two other things with this this particular episode. Uh, Jason and his Force connection. Nice to hear uh, Huyang talk about Kane and Jarrus in real life. That was that was pretty cool. And uh, interesting to see Carson Taver just... Huyang says his dad was a Jedi, just believe him. And he's like, yeah, I'll do whatever you want. I thought that was quite <laughs> interesting. Um, yeah. But Jason, got a bigger part to play? In the future, not necessarily in this season or the next season or whatever, but a bigger part to play in Star Wars future. Yay or nay, what do you think? Yay. But I think a long, long future. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I think, um, yeah, we're not going to see like Rebels, like the next Rebels anytime soon with Jason as a as a leading guy. I think we're going to have a decade's worth of Star Wars stuff. And then in a show in the future he'll rock up as like an older dude who's now a Jedi or a whatever you want to call himself. And then he'll be back, yeah. So I think they'll keep that one in their back pocket for a few years and bring him back. All right. The last thing I want to talk about is that entire whole end sequence with a purgle. Like, mm. that was when the Rebel Fleet, or the Rebel Fleet, the Republic Fleet at this point, came out of hyperspace. Tavers blagging it, get out of the way, stay out of the way. You know, oh, space whales, of course. Oh, Actually, no, there they are. The whole thing looked absolutely spectacular. Everything from the appearance of the Purgle, the communing with the Purgle on the on the, the roof of the ship, the um the migration into space, just everything, and then the hyperspace stuff just looked absolutely mega. Really, really good, man. So uh, this sequence, uh, this is up there with one of the best sequences for me that I've, I think I might have seen on screen in Star Wars. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Defo, it's, um, you can tell that Filoni went to Kath and was like, look, I'm not being funny, but if we're going to pull this off, I need a bit of bunts for the ILM dudes on this one. Yeah. Bunts and burn. I've got, yeah, I've got so far, with just having one of my dudes in there doing a bit for free here and there, but I need some proper bunts on this one. Oh. Because we've got space whales, we've got X-Wings, we've got light, the whole shebang going on. So you need to sign this off. And she's like, oh, the parks are not doing it, mate. We're losing money on the parks. I, I just don't know. Just sign the fucking thing. Sign it off, yeah. calf. Lost Stop his rag taking with your Ubers and walk, you dick. Yeah. Cut back on the Starbucks <laughs> twice a day. We'll and give right. me some Starbucks. 
Yeah. <laughs> nice. Good that one. It. It was good though, mate. Fantastic sequence. Yeah. And you're right. It's up there with a. It's like movie. It's like feature film quality mm. stuff. Defo. Yeah. No, it looked yeah. beautiful, man. Um, and a, a, a quick finisher then, Ahsoka the White, you know, I don't know if we didn't barely saw her in episode six, but um, she felt different at the end of episode five, but then at the beginning of episode six was a, mm, a little bit grumpy again. Yeah, I think she's an alcoholic or something because she's up and down. <laughs> she's she's knocking back the blue milk with a bit of vodka in it and then she's happy and then the next minute she's just you know, quiet and reserved and a bit down. Just come on, bit of consistency, yeah? You're alive. You just nearly whipped Anakin. Be happy. You're alive. So Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see what I think we've got to see what happens with with with, with Ahsoka. Because we we you could see the visual differences and she was a lot lighter, but then you move on to the next episode. She's barely in it. Um so we, we've got nothing to judge it against. But let's do that. Let's move on to episode six of Ahsoka, uh, which was entitled Far Far Away. Obviously it opens inside the Purgle's mouth. We get a very meta moment where Yang is pressing Ahsoka for a little bit of, um, little bit of, where were you when we thought you were dead? All that, what's gone on, um, and a little bit meta because he talked about the history of the galaxy in three different eras, which was clearly a fucking Star Wars trilogy's reference. Uh, a little Ahsoka reference in there, the first one being the best, and then we get the Yang story from the Jedi archives. Uh, which begins with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, which I thought was quite cool. Um, before they bail to a galaxy far, far away with some amazing hyperspace effects. Anyway, all it is, Elsbeth, Balin and the other girl, they turn up on what appears to be Stonehenge um, on the top of a, a, a mountain, um, which seems to be like the other end of like a telegraph line from the other Stonehenge on Satos. So that was quite interesting. And uh, they arrive on Peridia and guess who's there? It's only some bloody night sisters. Anyway, it turns out the night sisters from Dathomir, they're not from Dathomir. They're not. They're actually from Peridia, and they were the first people to migrate out using the Purgle. Cracked on, went to Dathomir, spawned off Ventress, spawned off Maul and the rest of the crew, and off we go. They're doing magic. It's naughty. They tell Sabine that she smells like Jedi, lock her up, which I thought was weird because they didn't sniff out Balin. That was, that was quite interesting. And... Uh, yeah, Thrawn turns up in what was a, like a massive Empire scene. It looked straight out of Empire. We saw the Chimera, which looked badass. Everything looked badass. And uh, he's got his zombie stormtroopers. I'm not taking that as a no for an answer. They are dead without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and it looks like Kylo Ren went round and repaired all their suits of armor with the same same epoxy and all the gear that he got for his own arm. So that's good. A little Ben doing his own job and uh, earn his pocket money there, earn his pocket money there. You know, he's uh, he's a solo by name, solo by nature. And then, and then of course, Thrawn pulls a Thrawn, tells Sabine she can bail to look for Ezra, but he might be dead. Pulls a blinder by saying, Balin, you go follow him. We'll stick to your word by saying you can look for him. But when you look for him and you found him, we'll still kill you. Fucking Thrawn, you shit. You know, living up to what he does. And um, she rides a wolf, which is pretty cool because that's showing that she's got some empathetic nature with the Force, with the animals, which was clocked a little bit later by someone. Um, she meets some rocks that can talk, which are cute as a button. I thought they were pretty cool. And uh, she bumps into Ezra, who was like fantastically cast 
Like, absolutely nailed it. All the mannerisms, everything, absolutely nailed it. And we sort of finish up on Thrawn leaving, trying to leave the planet that they're on, Peridia, unloading all the cargo for the Night Sisters, which I thought was interesting. What's going on there? What's the cargo? What's going on with that? And we were left with them basically saying, we need to crack on and get out of here. Ahsoka's coming. Balin and Shin, they're off finding Ezra and Sabine. So that's going to be a kick-ass battle that Ahsoka's clearly going to walk back into to, be, to try and defeat Balin. And off we go. That was the end of the episode. So, um, dude, I thought this episode was better than the last one. Although on the last one, I forgot to mention it. We didn't talk about Jason here in the lightsabers. thought that was pretty cool. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought this was a badass episode, dude. Thrawn was interesting. You know, if I had lived in another galaxy without access to dietary requirements and nutritional aids, I'd have got a little bit portly as well. <laughs> he, he, he put a bit on. A little bit. He put a bit on. He's been mm -hmm. in lockdown, effectively. Um, we don't know what they're eating. But, dude, a lot to unpack. The Night Sisters, for example. The freaking Night Sisters. I knew that Morgan was a descendant of, but I didn't think we'd see three of them. Yes, this is um, in, in relation to the Night Sisters. Uh, but first of all, the episode, dude. This is why I was conflicted early on, because of these episodes being sandwiched together. And I can't decide which one... I like more out of the two of them, but this one was so good in that. Um, you know, when you review an episode and it's like, okay, that performance was great. And this thing was great. But, and then that kind of leaves you with, but the rest of it was okay. Pretty good. Mm -hmm. it, it felt like in this one, every single thing came together. Like the performances, the effects, the music, some of the music oh. was Brilliant. The throne music that Kevin Kiner did for Rebels, and then that they brought back yeah. on a grander scale. The 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 you know the organ mm. was it's absolutely mint. Yeah, amazing. So that's what I mean. This episode had it all. It had everything came together so well. So I can't decide. I mean, score wise, I want to give this a nine as well. So I, I don't know. Um, yeah, but in relation to the Night Sisters. It's very interesting that Filoni went along this thing. He's clearly talking to George Lucas at this point because one of the things that George Lucas did for the original trilogy, if you watch any of the making of documentaries, whatever, when he was first writing the story, not the script, but the story of Star Wars, he attended these university lectures about mythology and like classic stories about myths and heroes and like Greek mythology and all that stuff. So you could tell a mile off that the Night Sisters were like the three old hags from the Hercules story from Greek mythology, almost in terms of just so it's un, undeniably similar, like just the way that they spoke. Mm. And um, I think even one of them mentions like we didn't see this, like the thread of I'm going to give it a cheesy name, the thread of destiny mm -hmm. or something. She's like, we didn't, we didn't foresee like this other Jedi coming. So I think those three sisters are called the fates mm -hmm. in mythology, I think. And these guys are named as well after the, um, yeah, like I forget what the bloody call, but like Atropos, um, the, the, yeah. the, the sisters from mythology that um, Stephen King used in some of his, his things as well. Basically the, the harbingers of doom, which when you put them against Shin and Balin and the fact that, you know, they're after the wolves that appear before Ragnarok. You've got a planet called Odin that's in the credits. 
there's a lot of symbolism there as well. And it's clearly, it feels like it's building towards like, like we've said before, the good guys ain't probably going to win this one. Yeah. Yeah, defo. Which is very, um, which is very George Lucas again. So you can tell that um, Filoni's been like in cahoots mm-hmm. as much as Cass said, look, for God's sake, we've, he's gone. He's out. If you, if you speak to him again, I'm going to have to have words because this is like the post George Lucas era. Forget about Skywalker. You just don't speak to him. You're not allowed to speak to him. Dave's like, all right, cool. As soon as she's back. Right, Sorry about that, mate. Sorry about that. Sorry, George. She's gone now. Not real boss. So this, you can tell that George is like, just fucking do this, right? Here's an idea, all right? Royal family. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so Filoni's like, all right, sweet, I'll do that. But anyway, so the Night Sisters thing was just so badass. And again, like they styled Anakin on his animated counterpart, they got the outfits bang on from the Clone Wars and the whole Mortis oh. episodes and you know, all that Huge, stuff, mate. mate. And also, as well, I, I think it was very close to um, Fallen Order because you saw the Night Sisters, the whole stylization of their magic was very much Fallen Order. Even the sound of in the in the last episode where Ahsoka got the memory from Sabine's helmet, the sound of the memory. Uh, Kieran spotted this one. The sound of the memory was the same as Fallen Order, and even I'm not saying it is Zephos, but it, you know the even the language of some of the hieroglyphs behind Thrawn and Morgan in this episode on the walls, like look it up on Twitter, are straight from Zephos. Um, mm. So there's something building there, isn't there? I don't know. I'm not saying it's, there's a Cal Kestis thing going on in um, building up to up, up to kind of to the Empire. We just don't know. But what I'm saying is that they've done their homework, and it was all very much mm. intended um, to flow and to feel like this new Star Wars universe. Um, and and there was, I think that's it's interesting as well because I was the same. Like, how do I score this one? But I would, I'm going to go like an eight on this one just because I think there was. Um, I, I I just want to leave a bit of room, if I'm totally honest. <laughs> I just <laughs> I, I just think there might be better episodes, even though this one was fantastic. I'm going to go with an eight, just because. Yeah, I can't really think of a good reason, but it just feels like that's right for me. Um, but you know, Filoni cribbing from things like Rebels with the Howler and Sabine, and having that instant empathetic kind of bond, and her sort of Jedi prowess starting to come in. And they're teasing that. We saw that with the crumbs of the bricks falling. It wasn't her. It was the Chimera and so on. Um, just quite, yeah, they've done their homework on all of this stuff. And, you know, that, that I don't think that's epitomized more than the Night Sisters and Thrawn using Mickelson, the voice. It's obviously clearly straight out of Rebels, but it was just all very well done. I think it was... Um, it was very well put together as well from like a story perspective because it progressed a lot of the storylines, even though Ahsoka wasn't in it. And I, I do understand why people are criticizing Ahsoka as beating Rebels season five. And it's sort of, that's cool for us. But if you weren't a Star Wars fan or a Rebels fan, I can see why people are criticizing it and why it's a three out of five on IMDb as opposed to a five. Because I, I it, the stories that are being progressed are all very, very, very much rooted in other things, whether that's thrown whether that's Ahsoka, Ezra and Sabine, but even Balin, you know, him calling people like Ezra, Bok and Jedi, you know, raised in the wild and and, and basically, you know, what is effectively translated to like practice Jedi, you know, not quite real Jedi. Um, And him talking about the ideology of the Jedi Order and missing all that sort of stuff and this greater power that was alluded to by Palpatine and Balin can feel it. And is there something darker coming and something bigger? Why do they want to get off the planet as quickly as they do? Um, 
everything is cribbed from other things. Whereas like with Andor, it was original. You know, yeah, there was some bits in there, but you could watch that without watching anything else. This, you've got to admit it, you're fucked if you've not watched anything else. <laughs> Aren't you? Let's be honest. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Do you know what though? It doesn't feel as... Um, uh, there's a word here somewhere. When when they were doing the sequel trilogy, especially Rise of Skywalker, that felt like an intentional... Um, you've got to be a hardcore Star Wars fan to get some of this stuff that we've not alluded to on screen. And with this, though, it doesn't feel... Although it's a similar thing, if, you, if you're not up to speed on some of it, then, yeah, you are. You know, you're pretty much screwed on some of it. It doesn't feel like it's an intentional, like, ha-ha, we fucked you over because you haven't watched, you know, some of the other Star Wars things. It genuinely feels like, look, here's all the stuff that you need to enjoy the story. If you've not quite cottoned on to what's going on, don't worry. That's not going to affect or or leave you with a big gaping hole as to what happened or why a certain character wants to do this thing or why this story is progressing. So narratively, yes, you are a bit screwed in terms of um, the backstory for a lot of characters. Like if you were fresh to Star Wars, this was the first thing you've watched and then you saw the Night Sisters. At face value, it's just these creepy dudes on Peridia who happen to just be witches and they've helped Thrawn a little bit and now they're going to help, you know, Balin and, and, and Shin and, and there you go. Whereas, so your mum who might have watched this, she'd just be like, oh, there's some creepy witches. They just, you know, the denizens of this planet mm. and they're helping Thrawn, etc. Um, so it doesn't feel like you're you're screwed as in you can't enjoy it like we did with his Rise of Skywalker, that was like, oh, I can't fucking get into this bit now because why is he there? Yeah, Why yeah. haven't we seen this? Do you know what I mean? It's like, that's irritating. Whereas this doesn't feel irritating. It just feels like, here's everything you need to enjoy. If you want to dive in, go ahead. And if you have seen it before, then a bigger thumbs up. All good. You know what I mean? It's layered in that respect. Yeah, that's a good shout. That's almost like the example of with Exegol. Why bother using well, that yeah, just exactly. go to freaking Mortis or go to Malachor or go to Dathomir or go to anywhere else that's already a Sith planet that at least we can start to just you know thread a story around that doesn't require masses of retcons and the Night Sisters is the same thing it could just be a naughty witch from over there but actually it's not it's a naughty witch from over there that's got heritage with Star Wars yeah that's fair enough dude actually I get that yeah yeah I'm not saying it's a it's a it's a pain if um uh, if you've not seen it, but you know, I think mm. more than anything, it's an invitation to go and watch it if you haven't seen it. Which more than anything, probably by design. Yeah, you know, if you're a streaming company, you have got to get that uh, return viewing, haven't you? So yeah, maybe that's by design, mate. I get that actually. That's fair enough. Yeah, I got a question for you, dude. Um, outside of the um, uh, of seeing Thrawn, which we'll get back to in a second, um, just want to touch on Balin and Shin. Mm. Do you think that the there was a nice scene between those two when um, they'd gone, Thrawn's gone off and um, Morgan's gone off and stuff. It's just them two. And she's poking a little bit because she doesn't know his overall objective yet for exactly why they wanted to get Thrawn and his bigger plan. So she's poking a bit like, why do you want to, what's the deal here? And he says that he can sense something, like you said, uh, on that planet and so on. Do you think that he can sense Palpatine still alive and Palpatine's 
overall mission because the thing that he was kind of waxing about was he's kind of fed up with this whole cycle of Jedi coming across as good, but not really. The Sith coming across as evil intentions, but not really to a degree. They have a fight. One of them loses. One of them goes off. And then the cycle goes around, around and around. So he's he, he kind of alludes to he wants to break that cycle. Did you think, because I thought that he can sense Palpatine, because in one of the Aftermath books, um, it goes on about Palpatine saying that in another world, just outside the galaxy, there's a place where, you know, shit goes down, all the rest of it. Do you think that Balin can sense that same thing? And his plan is like, well, if I can take out Palpatine, because unbeknownst to the rest of the galaxy, I know he's, he's, he's still alive. He's still there. If I can take him out, that stops the cycle of Sith coming back. Then, you know, there's nobody to fight the Jedi. The Jedi don't have to do their stuff. Or have I got that a little bit far-fetched? Hmm. I think with the requirement of having to retcon and try and fit into the sequels, that's a possibility. But I'd be gutted if it was, because it's just to connect the sequels. If a bit obvious, you mean? Not necessarily obvious. More, the sequels are ruining fucking everything. Oh, do you know what I mean? Like, oh god, we've still got really, like, we've got to do that. And I think. The other thing is that I'd rather it just be a bigger, just a better story, if that makes any sense. Do you know what I mean? I'd just rather it was yeah. a better story that we didn't have to rely on Palpatine again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. I just, um, the only reason why I felt that way is because there is there is only one um, sort of dark force going on at this point, isn't there? Because the new republic have um have taken out the empire so before the first order we know that in the background we've got palpatine as a clone still experimenting with the other clones and which becomes snoke and all that stuff so in terms of what's going on in the galaxy he's still there as this dark although obviously shielded i guess in the force and whatnot but he's still the only dark dark thing that's going on and we know that Balin and Shin are not necessarily Sith or Dark Jedi are they they kind of it feels like they're in this in-betweeny sort of vibe um yeah that's why I thought that like Palpatine's the only is he the only he's like the only potential darkness that's going on in the galaxy in terms of the force at the moment maybe like the helmet that's in shadow of the Sith which is a bit after this the Mm. there's a but yeah, you're right. This is like the element of peace for a little bit, isn't it? But I I want it to be more like we can sense a darkness that's like a new threat, almost like the Vong in Lenjudens or like the Grisk from Ascendancy. Um, basically, you know, something that's new. But then that's so annoying because it has to be out of the way for the fucking sequels. Uh, that's true. This is why they've screwed yeah. everything. They screwed. <laughs> Unbeknownst to them, they've screwed it all for everyone now. Thank you. Because we have to tie in this timeline. Because you're right, in this particular time pocket, it, it, future threats have to be linked to the First Order. Yeah. AKA sequel trilogy. Which I sort of, I don't mind that aspect of it. In that, you know, we know Ray Sloan has to survive. We know um, she has to take the remnants of the Empire out to, which 
her and Masameda did at the end of the Aftermath book. So you're like, do they join with Throne? Do they not? Do they stay separate? Is this, or does Throne just try and do his thing and that's what we deal with, you know, almost like the uh, Katana fleet style storage from Air to the Empire or not? Is it just, are they separate and these guys, but then you've got Moff Gideon, you've got the admirals that are like Pelion and so on that are from the, so this is just a bit of a mess, but it's, you know, Filoni's got the opportunity to tie it together, which we've got to hope he does. Yeah. But we do know mm. that the First Order has to come out of the remnants of the Empire with Ray Sloan having formed them, but then not being the sequel trilogy. And then to come out into prominence in, what, 10 years' time, 15 years' time? So that, mm. that all, they just that, that's the frustrating thing. These stories have got to lead to that. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And we can enjoy it for now. But yeah, I just think there is something, although we hate to, to, to talk about it, I think there is something Palpatine-y oh. to come um, at the end of this whole Filoni-verse thing. Yeah, you're probably right. I think, and I, don't get me wrong, I love Palps. We love him. Great. But... Big guy. You know, yeah. just pain in the we neck. We had his peak, didn't we? In terms of like, in, in terms of enjoying Palpatine as a character... That's peaked in the prequels. Yeah, yeah. He was at his best then. Yeah, defo. So anything after that is just going to be, oh, it's Palps again, you know? Yeah, of course. Any, anyway, I don't want to detract no, from no, the no. enjoyment of this, but, but you know, it's um, it's just something that I thought about. Maybe Balin can sense that, like, there's some dark shit going on. And But anyway, um, did did Thrawn, the, the way that they, they did Thrawn in this, because well, he's such a cool character and you've, you've loved most of the books of Thrawn and and all that mm. stuff. Did he satisfy your, like the yeah. way he came across, like very calculated and quiet as he usually does, quietly confident? He, he did. did he, he, yeah. he did. He, he's, he did because it was Lars Mikkelsen, but I thought the costume was a little like loose. It could have been sharper for like a big old Grand Admiral that keeps himself thit, uh, fit. And and I also just think, like I say, just a bit poorly for someone that is like a fucking ultimate martial <laughs> artist. You know what I mean? It just... Um, he might be a cannibal. He's been eating the stormtroopers as they've been exactly. slowly killed. But he's certainly yeah. menacing. And the shots with him and mm. Sabine, you know, they, they, they were filmed in such a way to give him that menace, which I think is obvious. And it was just, yeah, I, th I thought it was nicely done and delivered well. And he's still, he's got that massive gravitas. I, the problem is you're up against Ray Stevenson. Like every, he's literally steals every scene he's in. Like, and you, everyone's comparing themselves to him now be, without even knowing it because he's just doing it. And, and just, mm. just, he's dialed in so much. So, but yeah, I did. And I think it'll be more, more apparent in the next few episodes. Cause I think his gravitas will build. Um, last one, Ezra. I thought it was really nicely done. I thought it was such a Ezra thick way to just reveal himself, you know, with the naughty there and living amongst them and the connection that he's got with the living force and all that. And then just the casual nature of, of, of the way that he just said, yep, you know, I'm around. Um, it was very, very much in keeping with that set of characters, man. And I thought it looked great. The scars were there. The eyes were there. The characteristics and the mannerisms were there. Um, so I thought it was really good, man. I thought Asfandi did a, a great job of, of delivering that. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, just quickly on that, I think, um, again, it felt a little bit like they'd studied Rebels a little mm. bit and he sort of tweaked his voice. A, you know, it's, um, yeah, had that animated style and sounds mm. 
to it and you know little twinkle in his eye and yeah that's it that's the way to put it yeah because let's face it be realistic he's been stranded on this planet for god knows how long so for him to just be very cool and like have a little grin and be very ezra-esque as in the animated show it was done perfectly just like anakin was done great in the previous Mm. episode you know so yeah it's um great to see him i wonder how um that's going to turn out with those two but imagine soka's going to turn up and rescue them and then whatever but yeah very cool very very cool do you think he's built a new lightsaber already otherwise he's got no nine years without practice yeah why not why not? It'd be one of, you can have to get his hands dirty at this, but at some point in the next two episodes, right? Exactly. So is it? Is it so. Do they end up with a fight with Balin and Shin before mm. Ahsoka turns up? And does she give him the lightsaber back? And he's sort of a bit rusty. Well, you know, that's there's a lot of interesting stuff in that because it could be just I've got my own, so we'll you know we'll both. Fight. But it's got to lead up to a Balin and Ahsoka rematch. You know, it's got to do. Oh, defo. Yeah, and I think um, Ezra was one of those. Um, he was a survivalist because he tinkers and mm. builds stuff, right? So. Probably, yeah. Just where do you get the New crystal and all that yeah. stuff? It might have something else. Yeah. Could be a a wannabe. Yeah. Could be a prop. Uh, looks like one. Because they, they they've had some meta moments in this, haven't yeah. they? So this is a thing that looks like a lightsaber that I've built. It's not really one, but... Got it from Disney. Yeah. $100. Got it. Or whatever. Credits. Whatever. Built my own, didn't I? <laughs> all right, dude. Let's stick <laughs> a pin in it. We've got much more that we could talk about, but... Fair to say that we're excited for the next couple of episodes. This has been the Ahsoka Review Podcast. Big thanks to everyone that tunes in. Big thanks to all of our fans over at Spark Rebellion as well, where you can find this episode and all of your Star Wars news every single week. We'll be back next week where we're going to be, well, we're going to be talking through Ahsoka Episode 7 as we ramp up to the finale the following week. So until then, thank you for joining us. It's always a pleasure. And Gazla, always fun, my man. Indeedy, thank you very much, dude. And thank you to you guys for listening. Love you lots. Until next week, may the Force be with you always.